Welcome to Trash Compactor. I am Josh, and the junk droids joining me awaiting imminent flattening today are John. Hey. Mickey. Hello. Murray. Oh, hello. And Russ. Hi. (laughs) 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 And today we will be discussing episode four of the book of Boba Fett, entitled The Gathering Storm. This is the most nitpicky of nitpicks. I actually really, really enjoyed this episode a lot, but I, I really hate that title, the Gathering Storm. It just seems like like that could be an episode of so many shows. It's generic. And it just really drives me crazy because yeah, it's very generic. Game of Thrones, and it, yeah. And it also makes it seem like okay, so we're not seeing the good part yet. So even though I really enjoyed the episode, I was like, I don't like this title. <laughs> anyway, most nitpicky of nitpicks, as I said. Let's start with overall impressions. John, what were your overall impressions of the Gathering Storm? As always, I enjoyed it. Uh, there's there was. One thing that I really liked about it uh, was that it seemed like whoever was directing it um, seemed to have a really strong grasp of like uh, good visual storytelling. So there are some really sh- cool shots that I really liked um, when they showed the mod crew again at their station. It just seemed way deeper into their aesthetic. And I was like, this is really fucking cool, you know? Um, but I guess the only uh, critique I would have of the episode is... Um, it just seemed like spinning wheels a little bit. But other than that, um, I enjoyed it. It was fun. Mickey, overall thoughts? Yeah, I mean, for what I've come to expect from the Bubba Fett show, this was to me probably my favorite episode um, in that it did a lot of different, maybe weird things. Um, I was definitely vibing on a lot of like, I was getting like kind of like 80s Jim Henson um, vibes out of a lot of like the kind of character design and actions with those characters that I was really digging. Um, And... I still, uh, but again, like uh, um, what I'm coming to expect, because like, I still think like, you know, we were talking about like, this isn't like the greatest writing so far in this show. And this episode hasn't specifically been better than the writing before. There's still issues with that. But visually, I think it's been, it's really interesting and cool. And um, I think this episode specifically did some, like had some opportunity to do some weirder, cooler things that I, I appreciate. By the way, I got an answer either last episode or the episode before we were talking about what they shoot on the volume stage versus what they shoot on the back lot. And apparently friend of the show, James, and actually occasional guest on the show, James, he heard an interview with one of the DPs. I don't think he's the main cinematographer because that's Dean Cundy, but something Klein, I'm I'm forgetting his name right now, but he was interviewed mm-hmm. on Fat Man on Batman, and he was saying that really bright daylight scenes, for some reason, they don't really look so great in the volume, so they tend to shoot those outside on the back lot in natural light, uh, mm. which I thought was kind of interesting. Well, anyway. It's the like opposite sure. of what I would expect, but that's cool. Yeah. Murray, overall thoughts? Oh, real quick. Dean Cundy, like Halloween, John Carpenter, Dean Cundy, yes. he's the one that's yes. filming yes. this? Really? Yes. What the fuck? Wow. Of this, <laughs> or like... He, of all of them, or like I'm, I'm so confused. Well, so, so because there's not enough lens flares. He's got his flare that he does a lot, but so well, he's the credited cinematographer for every episode. But that they may have assistant DPs oh, okay, and yeah. second unit. Yeah, I'm looking at his IMDb right now. Oh, that's he, awesome. He's he's credited, so he did this one and he did the second episode too. It's the best ones. Yeah, not credited yeah. for episode three. Not credited. So, I, I know. See, I knew there was something different about the Robert Rodriguez episodes. I knew it. They well, just like, look flat. He, he I kept to saying operate that too, doesn't he? Doesn't Robert Rodriguez like yeah. to shoot as well? But well, that's probably I, why. Yeah, I kept yeah. saying that. There's okay. Anyway, so first impressions. Um, 
So I guess this would be my second impression because the first one was that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so I liked it um, a lot. Like I liked the video game aspect of it of like, oh, we have to break into this place. But before we like before we do, we have to sneak into it to get the the, <laughs> the equipment so that we could like break into it like and take over. So I like that kind of like a uh, mission aspect of it. Um, but I it threw me for a loop right in the beginning. Cause I was like, Oh, we're really doubling down on these mods, huh? Like what in the whole like history of star Wars, there's just was that one guy with like the backwards, like visor on his head, right? The bald Lobot. guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said. So, um, <laughs> so like, but now all of a sudden, like every other person's like a mod. And then like, I like the aesthetic of like a tattoo shop type vibe to it. But I was like, what they did with the music in that scene, I was just like, this is way taking me out of um, Star Wars. I thought that was really, and I get it. I forgot what it's called when it's the music that they're listening to in the scene. I know there's diegetic, like a, diegetic versus non-diegetic. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I said. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, but I did um, overall, I liked it. And I liked the, um, I always seem to struggle in this show when it's, well, for lack of a better word, we'll say when it's present like day, you know, like I always like the flashback so much. And then when it's like, oh, this is what's actually happening. I'm like, this mm-hmm. is, I don't like it. I don't, I don't, I think it's like they put all the weird, cool Star Wars stuff in the flashbacks. And then like the new stuff is, except for the exception of the Godfather scene at the end, like that was really cool. But everything else, when it's like present day, I'm just kind of like, oh no, it's weird. It's not capturing me, but mm. But I liked it. Russ, overall thoughts on episode four? Uh, well, I'm playing a little catch-up. I've been watching from the shadows uh, for the past uh, a few episodes. Uh, I'm not really a fan of much of what's going on in the show. In in this past episode, I feel like my biggest problems were uh, with the character Boba Fett himself. He, he fluctuates between... Uh, a version of an older Boba Fett to being like a, like a Fester Adams kind of uh, like an uncle <laughs> Fester in, in his like cloak, like running around in this episode, uh, not knowing what he's doing or where he is and being more reactionary to Fennec. Um, it, so yeah, this episode in particular didn't uh, really interest me. Uh, episode two, I thought was my favorite so far. And then uh, I think we're getting uh, now we're getting into where Boba Fett would normally, uh, this is it. This is what he does. Infiltration, uh, you know, kind of, uh, these type of tactics should be something that he's very familiar with. Um, but he seems uh, totally like fish out of water here and it doesn't really jive with me. It doesn't, it doesn't really fit uh, what I feel like he would be able to do. Yeah. It just really, it, it felt kind of flat for me. I, I, I could say more as we go on. Do I think that's an interesting point? The idea that he's sort of relying more on Fennec to do the heavy lifting, especially in that infiltration sequence. Can I ask you specifically, do you think a lot of your your issues with the show and with his characterization in particular have to do with, you know, obviously you were a big fan of the, the old extended universe and uh, the character's portrayal there. Do you feel like you know how much of your antipathy for the show has to do with your feelings about that? Is it hard to separate that out? Oh, uh, it's not difficult at all. I'm watching the show as if it were a fan film about Boba Fett. Like, I'm not treating <laughs> it as, like, the real Boba Fett. Um, yeah, hmm. I, I was... Boba Fett was one of my favorite characters growing up. And, like, there was a time when, like, he only existed in the movies. You had Empire and he had Jedi. Uh, but then he started showing up in comics. And I, I was a big fan of the Dark Empire comic series and, and Boba Fett. Uh, does show up there and he kind of has a second life in uh, the expanded universe. Uh, 
And, and I like that Boba Fett. And there's some stories that I think are amazing uh, in both comics and the books. Um, and so I'm looking at this as like, this is a version. Um, the big, the big issue overall is that in Disney star Wars, uh, they had to, uh, figure out what to do a time jump in the expanded universe. It picks up right after Jedi and keeps on going on. Uh, but the actors got too old to tell those stories. So they had to do the time jump themselves. When they jump in, they decide to start, um, they are, they chose where they want to start. And so we don't know what happened necessarily between Jedi and where the Force Awakens starts potentially. Um, so they've gotten to, they've got uh, the chance to rewrite that and kind of create new histories. I just don't think that this particular story is is as good as the stories that we were presented previously. So I'm looking at it completely different. I'm looking at it like this is someone else's take on Boba Fett. I get it. This is this is one writer's look at hey what what does a Boba Fett story look like. Uh, I think for me, uh, it was the opportunity to tell, to do something cool, to go back in time. Um, I would have kept him in the Sarlacc pit the whole time, or at least the first episode, first few episodes, and have him flash back to adventures taking place from even from A New Hope all the way to Jedi. Oh, and cool. he, and then it really would keep cool. on cutting back to him in the pit, mm-hmm. and like kind of like um like a pit in the pendulum situation where like <laughs> his whole life is flashing before he has all this time to think, to plan, what is he going to do when he gets out? Who does he want revenge on? Uh, probably uh, Han, Luke, and Leia. Like, who? How did he end up in the Sarlacc pit? Um, so, but also any any of those past encounters, uh, stories that they tell in episode form, we can then see him interact with those characters later on in the book of Boba Fett. Maybe they're seeking revenge on him, or vice versa. Um, so I just I see it as missed opportunities. So anything that we're watching, I just the character makes no sense to me. <laughs> his motivations, anything he does, his lack of skills, his unsureness, even if his life changed in the Sarlacc pit in this version of the show, it doesn't feel like that's logically where the character would go at all. Well, so that's really interesting because you mentioned we had him in the film, but a lot of Boba Fett was rewritten in the prequels in Attack of the Clones, right? Sure. Like, so, I mean, from my perspective, it's not that the character now doesn't make sense. It is a different version of the character than uh, uh, what was explored in the 90s expanded universe. It's really interesting, though. It just really struck me when you use the term, you felt like you were watching a fan film, because in my mind, the expanded universe was like fan fiction. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mickey, then John. For, I, I was going to say right away, I'm glad you hear Russ's perspective, because I, I kind of overall agree. And then also to hear his, like, I love, like, I, I would say my, right off the bat, I was kind of upset with that first episode. Like, he gets out of the Starlight Pit in a couple minutes, and I'm like, man, there was so <laughs> many opportunities there with flashbacks and everything. But then the other idea, I feel like, like, I had, it broke into my brain this last episode where I feel like they really missed a mark on a cool story idea because we have this aspect of who is Boba Fett. We have these different change in Boba Fett's because of the change in properties. Is I really, and like, especially, and then tying it into like a Spade Game or something, I really thought this TV show would have had a really great opportunity. I know there have been issues because he's clearly the actor who's played him in the, the prequels, but like, there was an opportunity to be like, is he Boba Fett or not? Like, I feel like that would have been like a really interesting story thing where like you're watching this book of this mm. guy's going around on Boba Fett, but like there would be always an underlying thing of just like, is he, <laughs> you know, or is he <laughs> an imposter out in this Western thing where no one can verify one way or another. And, you know, and even you as an audience don't know or not, I guess he's a clone. So maybe you, you could still play with that, with that, with that actor. But like I, I do. And this was something I was saying before where I feel like there's some, I'm enjoying it, but I feel like there's some things they've been missing, some opportunities. And, and, and again, like, yeah, I definitely think like, especially with, like when you talk about like the Spanish universe, like it is definitely a different character and, you know, and it like, 
I mean, I have a lot, I have a whole thesis on this, but like, you know, coming in and like, I think I'm like <laughs> with you, Russ, where it's like, yeah, I mean, it's not the one I grew up with, but I'm also, I'm fine. I'm just watching it for what it was. Cause it's like, I feel between the prequels and then when they announced that the extended universe is different than the legends, they call it now. Like I was just kind of like, yeah, ah, whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't care. I'm not going <laughs> to fight anymore. You know, like, yeah. my childhood's over. John. Uh, it's funny. Cause that, that, uh, whatever sort of thing is how I felt when, um, when Rise of Skywalker starts and it's like the dead speak, the Emperor's still alive. Like, oh, okay, fine, sure, let's go. And then like I enjoy, I enjoy the movie. <laughs> but, uh, oh, this is all said, bullshit. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but I was like, oh, let's fuck, fuck it, let's go. You know. But that's, I mean, these are space romps. But uh, but what I think, what you're both bringing up, which um, I think is an interesting question for the show in general, is what is it are they choosing to show us? And I was thinking about that more consciously watching this episode because it's like, okay, we're seeing another flashback and it's like, oh, how Boba Fett and Fennec met when he rescued her. And it's like, well, maybe we're going to see that relationship blossom. And as soon as she's like resurrected, basically, um, it's like immediately the relationship that they have today. And it's like, oh, okay. And then it's like, well, the whole episode's about him getting his ship. And it's like, well, do we care? You know, this is one of those things where... um, I, I was starting to think like we're f- how many episodes is going to be eight episodes seven episodes Se- I think seven yeah seven okay so we're almost done with the show and I'm like I wonder how this is all going to tie up and I actually did see a little snippet of an interview with um, the actor that plays Fennec and I, I think she said in the interview like I'm waiting to see how fans react kind of to like I, I forget the exact words but she's like. I, I can't wait to see how everyone sees how the show uh, is going to line up at the end with between the flashbacks and the present. So I'm still consciously thinking about that, but I feel like a lot of the choices that they're doing, and I it's funny because I actually enjoyed watching this episode because, like I said before, visually I thought the storytelling was great and had some cool scenes, but I, the whole time I was like, why are they showing us this? Why, what is like, what is their priority? And I still four episodes in haven't quite figured out the, the, the gist of the show, not like, not the mystery, but just like, what is the central, uh, I guess it's just him getting over trauma, you know, him, <laughs> uh, I guess it's just an evolution of a character from like bad to good, but the way they, they they're showing us stuff it's like they're not exactly revelations they're just more info like um when people talk about solo the movie it's like oh now we know how his how, how he got his gun and it's like yeah <laughs> but okay like fine <laughs> and i kind of feel like that's what we're doing right now it's like well okay like but i i'm i'm still thirsty for like something a little deeper than what i'm getting if that makes any sense no, oh, yeah, that I actually sense. like the character a lot. I the current character. I just want to see more into like what's making the the gears uh, go. Which I guess they kind of go into a little bit when he actually says why he wants to take over the families, which I thought was actually pretty cool. That that was cool. But that's like that's like a two minute scene in like a thirty minute episode where it's like. 48 episode, minutes. <laughs> there you go. So the whole, the 45 minute episode. So it's like, that's 45 minutes to get to like one scene of dialogue when it's like, they, they could have concentrated on that a little bit more, but it's just other stuff surrounding chase, that. Yeah. 
They yeah, need to chase get, droids around he, the kitchen. He's got to chase like a rat minutes. catcher in the kitchen. Yeah. Which, by the way, by the way, I don't want to get too much on a tangent, but by the way, when that chef whipped out all the knives, I was like, "Fuck, let's go!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. General, General Grievous, the chef. Yeah. And I was I'm like, not sure. And I, I, I like, I thought it was so silly, but at the same time, I was so proud of them to go that silly in a weird yeah. way. Like, like, yeah, let's just go. Let's just fucking have a ridiculous adventure. Mm-hmm. You know? I really love that scene. And actually, the, the um, chef with all the knives, I'm not sure if it was an homage or a, a poking fun at the inherent silliness of the General Grievous design. <laughs> I think like, I'm not sure. Yeah, it's probably both. Uh, Russ, then Murray. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess to, to double back, just um, uh, I know this Boba Fett's a different character. I mean, and it seems like, uh, the movies get to determine, really, the movies or TV shows get to determine, you know, the flow or timeline of what is now the Star Wars universe. Um, and that's fine. Um, I've drawn my line. Uh, so I know, like, you know, I I will watch this out of curiosity. I don't feel like it's what I would have done or what was already done. Totally get that. So it's fine. So I'm, I am watching the show um, as its own entity. That being said... Uh, I see. I see a lot of really weird choices for the characters. Still, like going back to Fennec, like in the expanded universe, uh, Dengar often accompanies Boba Fett on missions and things, and is kind of like uh, his kind of co-pilot partner in crime. Uh, and he he actually lets uh, Boba Fett just be himself, where um, he does most. Dengar does most of the talking, the exposition for the audience, because Fett doesn't really talk, uh, and so that's kind of interesting. Uh, allowing him to to be that window because Fed is a very quiet person. Uh, and we see, and I would imagine this show, I'd like to see more things. Like when he's spying on uh, Jabba's palace to kind of get an idea of like how he can attack, uh, he's he's going in with his gun. He's like, oh, not today. I'm not going to. No, no. He Why would he even think about that? Like he's, he's a tactician. He's, he's smart. We've seen him be smart. Uh, and our only examples really are in Empire when he does track down the Millennium Falcon to Bespin. Um, we know he's a detective. We know he's smart. Um, he's had plenty of time to think. Uh, he wouldn't be that kind of brash person, I think, even this version of the character. So when he's up on that ridge, I mean, I can imagine him scouting, but to even go into attack, that that didn't make sense to me. And it's just like that could also have been silent. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to, you know, he could have just been looking to prepare the audience for, you know, he's clearly looking. He he wants to engage. Uh, he's looking for something. It just seems like a lot of this show, the motivations of the character seem off to me, or or the types of things. Is Boba Fett would not have forgotten his history, his his uh, kind of military type approach to um, uh, tactics, and uh, yeah. It's, it's, so that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like in this version of Boba Fett, I still feel like um, the character does things that don't make sense to me. Murray. So the thing, and I think this goes with Russ, what he was saying is like, and a little bit, I guess what everyone was saying is like, they're trying to show like this character arc in Boba Fett. But when he emerges from the Sarlacc pit, he's already the Boba Fett. Like he's not changing from when he escapes to when he, what you see now, like he was instantly like we talked about going to free that one guy that was also captured by the Raiders. He didn't like try to kill or fight or I don't know, even like lash out at the Tuscans. So he was just like, it's like, so what, like what happened? So like, I don't, I don't know. And so that's why I get with the character development where it seems like, it's just like, what are they trying to say? Because he actually hasn't changed since before he was in the, 
the Sarlacc pit to what we're seeing now. And then I felt with this episode, whereas I, I did like it and it was like, cool, but some of it is, it's just like treading water. Like we don't actually, the whole episode was how he gets, he like saves her and then how he gets his, uh, was it the slave one back? Yeah. Right. But it's just like the first time we've seen Boba Fett in, I don't know, like 30 years or something like that was in Mandalorian when that already happened. So we don't need to like, I don't know, maybe people were like, oh, that's bullshit. How'd she survive that or something like that? But it's like, I don't, I, we, we already know that he gets his stuff back. We don't need, so it just seemed like spinning their wheels or like treading water. And when, when you're making a limited amount of episodes, then you could actually make it as long or as short as you want. So there's really no need to tread water that much. Like I could see if you're obligated to do 20 episodes and you only have about like 15, then you might want to start expanding and, and filling in the gaps and adding in random, like, well, I do like the kitchen scene because it was like a fun use of the world that we're not seeing. And then I, I love the anticipation of like, Oh oh shit, it's going to be like this cook versus Boba Fett. And then she just like cuts his head off. I thought that was like a really good joke. Um, and I have to admit, I was happy to see the rat catcher like later on at the end of the episode. I was like, oh fuck yeah! Like, and the fact mm-hmm. that it like turns itself off, like, <laughs> so, yeah. so that was <laughs> great. So it's good. Like, definitely had some laughs in it, but I just don't. It it does seem like they're spinning their wheels when it's like, but like, bro, you're in charge of writing this. Like, why are you writing like all this filler when you could just make it as long as you need it to be? So that's, I think that's covered everything. Well, that's interesting because to me this isn't really filler. Like this was stuff that I was waiting to see. I feel like finally happening. Like, I don't think it's so much. We have to show how he got his ship and we have to show exactly how Fennec survived. Um, I think it's more that that's the action through which we see how this relationship between them came to be right. Like Mm -hmm. why he values her and why she's with him to John's point. I mean, I don't know, like maybe there's just something wrong with me. Like I felt like we did get all that stuff in terms of the motivation and why they're together. Like maybe it could be fleshed out a little more, but I feel like with characterization in Star Wars, it's par for the course. Like it's sort of what you get. Okay, Mickey, go ahead. First of all, um, Slave One is canceled. It's not Slave One. It's just this, this skip ray, whatever. Fire spray. Fire spray. The fire spray gunship. Yeah. Uh, to be fair, though, I mean that was always sort of a weird name, and it was never <laughs> yeah. said on screen. Yeah. Like yeah. why? And they never like, said it in wh- the movies. Yeah. Sure. Like why? Why would you call your ship slave? Especially when we know like some of the operating systems on these ships have sentience of some kind. It's like you know if you're already predisposed to disliking the Disney output or the changes. Like I understand that that's sort of more ammunition for that, but I feel like it, for me, if he said slave one if he called his ships slave i think it would pull me out of the show Uh, there also could be an in-universe explanation if you really want to get into it they don't say that the ship was never called the slave one like he describes the make and model he's like it's a fire spray gunship like maybe he he doesn't want to be known as someone who thinks like slaves are cool yeah, I actually longer. thought about that too. Like, if he's this reformed guy, he wouldn't call his ship Slave One. You yeah. know, I, th- I think the simple answer early on when he was a bad guy, 
Like it's yeah. cool. Like a bad guy, we're gonna give his the mm-hmm. bad guy's gonna name his ship something bad, and now he's not a bad like guy a, anymore. So you can't have you know. <laughs> well, you got Death Stars and Star Destroyers yeah, yeah. and Executioners yeah. and whatever. So, but that's all like evil Empire shit. Yeah. But I was gonna say, yeah, but sorry, uh, Mickey, sorry to interrupt. Oh no, no, that's fine. But uh, something like uh, to, to related to like I like I like I said, I think this might be my favorite episode, and there's a lot of it because it is kind of this like filler or something. It's just these weird scenes. Um, I, something I've been kind of saying a lot, like you know, since this kind of like we've hit like the last 15 years of TV and we hit peak TV is I've really been kind of bummed at short seasons and TV shows don't like the lack of 22 seasons TV shows anymore. Cause now we just don't get weird one-off bottle <laughs> episodes anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of really gone by mm-hmm. the wayside. And I feel like this episode, despite only having seven took opportunity, this episode to, em- to embrace it hit or miss in some places, you know, like I'm not a big fan of the mod scene, but but that but that Jabba break like those to me like that that's definitely a scene I was really to me like stay, standing out as peak like Jim Henson Muppety kind of comic thing that you also saw in a lot of 80s also Terry Gilliam type movie type of action too you know with that kitchen scene that rat catcher droid just like running underneath mm-hmm. the fire and being like oh that's just like to me that's pure mm-hmm. 80s childhood like kind of yeah. action I, I love and like it seemed like I'm glad the show took opportunity to be like yeah let's not focus on him mech you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's just have these weird things, you know? And then also just the, the character design and just the way they really made that Bantha have like personality. I just like every single scene with that Bantha, I was just vibing. at. I thought it was Mm -hmm. so cool. And I thought he was funny. And I just, again, and that to me, that was like peak, like eighties, like weird, weird movies type of thing. Um, and I appreciated that, but, but it does kind of remind me though, not only is it like only seven episodes, but then I think we were, we were saying like, Oh, it's a 30, 45 minutes episode. And something like, I kind of like, I was like three quarters of the way through the episode um, yesterday. And then I was kind of thinking, I'm like something, a show, I guess I've been thinking a lot while I watch this show, because it's not like how you could have opportunity to be like, Oh, what if we do a star Wars boardwalk empire? And the show could have been that I really kind mm. of like that. I got that thought, but the last episode when they're like, we're got to bring the city under control of different mobs and everything. It's like, Oh, it could be broad, but it's not. And one of the things that really is missing that like a show like that has is like, it's not really doing a lot of characters and it's not diving into a lot. It's really just Bubba Fett. Fennec hasn't done much. You haven't really explored. Like you could have had like, why does Fennec like, there's this question. It's like, why does she all of a sudden just like, yeah, I'll chill. I'll hang out with you. And we don't know. And like a episode that had more room to breathe could maybe show her flashbacks or something. Although I guess mm-hmm. that would have been a flashback within a flashback, which would have been weird, but I kind of, it would have been in- awesome. Fuck it. Right. Yeah. But <laughs> I find it, I find it weird that like this show, unlike, I feel like, you know, the golden age of TV shows doesn't like, like a Sopranos isn't, doesn't have 30 characters and we get the opportunity to really explore all 30 characters um and something and again and then like part of it to me is like like i guess a, a hbo show is like 55 minutes and this is 10 minutes shorter um and it's it's just something like i'm another thing i've been down on with short seasons also is also with like this thing where like when we were when like netflix started doing it's like tv can be anything it can be an hour and 10 one one episode and next episode can be 30 they're not doing that they're doing 45 because it's like I think there's still this thought that they want to sell in syndication or something. Or I, I, I don't. I don't, know why. I, don't like, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. no. But I just like why are I they mean, not an hour? I feel like they could use opportunity to expand more. So there are a couple things. You know, yes, TV can be anything, but at a certain point, though, like when does it stop becoming TV? Like, you know, why are movies still roughly two hours long when they don't have to be right? Now, one thing that you're talking about it really reminds me of The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian had a lot of those like weird episodes, like the one in the second season with the um the weird fish <laughs> lady and they crashed on the, the, eggs, the yeah. ice planet with the weird 
spider creatures and stuff. I mean, that was like, quote unquote, filler, but I thought it really created a, a mood and an atmosphere. And it was weird. Like it was like something really weird that I really appreciated. The only other thing I'll say, Mickey, about seven episodes, you thought we would get more. There's this thing happening with cinematic universes and i feel like you can't just view this show as in a vacuum it's kind of like one season of this the star wars cinematic universe right so it's like we have to take it in context with the mandalorian and then the show that's going to come on after this and all that it's like it's all sort of like that thing that you're talking about about exploring all these characters and stuff like the shows all together cumulatively i feel like are doing that And, you know, it's a weird sort of franchise, all interconnected, weird approach to storytelling that I think has more to do with commerce than than storytelling. But I think that's what's going on here. And I don't I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with it. It's just kind of an interesting thing to witness. Okay, John Murray, then Russ. Uh, To your point, I feel like that's kind of just the trend now, you know, uh, when Christopher Nolan redid Batman, everything had to be dark and gritty. You know, and then that trend is thankfully over. Uh, but now, but then Marvel comes around with the Avengers, and now everything's got to be shared and connected. And so, um, I mean, Star Wars was always a saga anyway, so it lends itself to that. But I just feel like that's just kind of like the zeitgeist of what today is. But uh, to what everyone was talking about before about story and spinning wheels and stuff like that, I, I feel like it's a bit of like a a choice as to like what to concentrate on and like ratios of like, um, uh, maybe not ratios is the word, but basically like what's important to them, you know? And I, I feel like there's something weird about the Boba Fett character where we all presume a character existed before the show started, but there really wasn't. He was just a dude in a helmet with four lines. And so, um, they need to make the character for us. Now, when we watch the original movies or any of the other side projects, even the new movies with the sequels, there was no Ray before force awakens and stuff like that. So they kept putting in these little moments of like telling us about their personalities as the movie would go on over the course of two hours, you know, her and Finn are running away from tie fighters. And like, she's like, don't hold my hands. Like, okay, well that tells me something about her, you know? Um, the impetuous nature of Adam driver, um, all these things, uh, Harrison Ford and Leia bickering and the new hopes. Like this is telling me a lot about their characters. And I feel like that that's one thing that this show doesn't have too much, a little bit of like, cause even in the Mandalorian, like no robots, like, okay, no robots. What the fuck is that all about? Like little things are sprinkled in. And, um, and this one, it's like, like I said before, he rescues Fennec and she's alive and she's like, all right, we're partners. We're cool. And it's like, okay. <laughs> like, and then, so like, I kind of expected like, even the, even if they are cool, it's like throw in something where it's like, maybe she hasn't trusted anyone before and she trusts Boba Fett. And I have to like assume that a little bit because he has that little speech where he's like, you know, it's, it's sooner or later, everybody needs a tribe, which I think is a fantastic line, you know? But like, I feel like there could have been a little bit more of like a, not quite butting heads, but just sort of like a some sort of deeper direction uh, before that, and then um, and even the superficial things of like when he goes to the to the mod uh, tattoo parlor thing, the modification place. He walks in, and these baby faced mods are like they seemingly are there to do something, but as soon as he walks in with Fennec, they're just looking at Boba Fett 
the whole time like he's a fucking giraffe and then like <laughs> and then like and then he's going about their business and if you pay attention to the background which i do now because i'm an actor and i pay attention to what everyone's doing in this in this, in this <laughs> shot they're still looking at him and i remember that completely contrasts to a new hope when they walk into moss isley and even a bar where there's no droids allowed like the, the patrons kind of turn around they look they don't give a shit and they go back to whatever the hell they're doing, which means that every single person at that bar had a story, had like, even if it was fake, like they all had like, they were there to do something. And while Boba Fett's going through that scene, that those people are still watching them. I'm like, what the fuck are you guys doing in the background? <laughs> like, besides just watching this guy. And, like, and it's just like, maybe it's because he had a dead body and they were freaked out, but they seem so like tough and cybernetic that it wouldn't freak. The, I don't know. I'm getting off on a tangent here. My point being though, is um, I, I think if I see any sort of missed opportunity, it's more of like sprinkling and little character things that maybe it's up to the actor. Maybe it's up to the writer, maybe it's up to the director, but there's just something where it's like, a little bit more of a trail, I think not, not to lead us anywhere, but just to sort of like grab at as for like who these people are besides just like the content of them being like, you're cool. I'm cool. Okay. We're cool together. And like, okay, the script says we're cool. So now we're cool. And it's like, yeah, okay. But like, there was just, so I feel like it's just kind of like on the surface a little bit, if that makes any sense. That's my rant. No, no, yeah, I get what you're saying. My sense for the mod parlor, I very much got the impression that these kids think they're hot shit. And then <laughs> they get one look at this guy with literal scars on his face. They are all with a dead body, possibly. Yeah. Yeah. Like holding a yeah. dead body. And they are scared shitless of him. But they so, don't look scared. They're just staring. Yeah. And that's well, and yeah. Like, and if they if they acted more see, that's what I'm talking about. Like, like history of violence, bit, Johnny. Yes, yes. There's that scene. Okay, we're going back a little bit, but there's a scene in History of Violence where the the bullies bump into the serial killers, and they give the serial killers the, the middle finger, and the serial killers look at them dead cold, and the bullies are like, you could. They're just the the movie makes it known they're fucking terrified out of their skull before the scene goes on. So yeah, I think that's a good point, and I mm. think, I think what you're talking about is like something that I have to assume given the context mm. of what I'm watching as compared to like it just being visible in the scene, if that makes any sense. No, sure. Mm. Well, it's kind of fitting um, that you brought up Christopher Nolan because that's kind of how he writes his characters, right? It's like Matthew McConaughey is madly in love with Anne Hathaway. It's like, are you going to show us? No, well, I just told you. That's all you need to know. Like, I'm not going to show you this develop at all. But that's all. That's a whole other tangent I could get on that Johnny's heard a million times. But um this is going back to Mickey talking about uh, TV and the short episodes and stuff like that. Uh, well, short seasons. And I think that a lot of it, and maybe Josh hit on this too, is like, it stems from everything has to be perfect in like all media, but especially it seems on TV, like you could have five seasons of a TV show. And if one of those episodes is bad, that's the fucking worst show I've ever seen. Like, I can't stand it. Like what they were saying about this, right? Like it's episode one is worse than polio. I'm not going to watch it. Like really like, like <laughs> everything's got to be uh, a home run. And if it's not, then it's, it's terrible. So there's no room for like a bottle episode, which is if you like character development, which uh, maybe Marvel, I'm, 
like uh, Disney and Marvel seem to be lacking a little bit these days. But like, if you like it, if you don't like that um, kind of character development, then a bottle episode is going to be the worst thing you've ever heard of, like in your life and have to wit, like just sit there like, oh, they're locked in a room just uh, with all this nuance. Oh, please. When are they going to fight and like shoot people? So I think there's like so much reservation with movies and TV shows that like, if it's not going to be a smash hit right off the bat, then like, I don't, we we're not going to take a risk on it. And so that's why everything seems so like manufactured and there's no weirdness. There's no, um, just like exploration and fail and fail again, fail better aspect to it. It has to just be perfect right off the bat. Otherwise you're wasting everyone's time. So I think that's a huge thing. And my initial, my initial question when I first raised my hand was Boba Fett says, I want to get revenge on, on the guy, the guy or the pig that double crossed me who double crossed him like that. He's wanting to get, that's why I didn't understand. He says that. When does he say that? Yeah. When, um, when he's talking about breaking into Jabba's palace to I thought he meant, I thought he meant, uh, Bib Fortuna. I thought, yeah, but, but that's what, thank you. Cause I almost like he, Kyoto Mundi, Bib Fortuna. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, like, but how did he get double crossed or is that something we just didn't see yet? Maybe that's something we didn't see yet. Hmm. I'm not sure. Because he, he definitely says that. And then, because what's his his um, kind, Bifortuno? He's a... Twi'lek? Twi'lek? Uh, Twi- yeah, Twi'lek, something like that. Because I think, doesn't she say, like, he says, I want to get, you know, revenge on the... the. I think he says the pig that double-crossed me, but I don't think he actually means the pig people. I think he means, like... No, uh, not the Martin yeah, guards. And then, um, and then she, I think she says, oh, you want to hit a Twi'lek or twilight or whatever he is but like um and so i so that's what i didn't get and i was like then i was thinking oh did he mean like the pike but like was that a double cross but like i don't know i i I I don't mean to cut you off but i think i think it's one of those things where it's like uh he's talking about like the system a little bit and like the people that are just kind of like in charge making dumb decisions and maybe he's just like sees him as like the epitome but, of that. But at that time, Jabba, like when he fell into the Sarlacc pit, Jabba was in control, not very Big true. Fortuna. So I don't like that's maybe they'll explain it. I mean, I, I could be very wrong, but I was, it seemed like they're like almost trying to give him, no, this is why he's doing this. But <laughs> like, just take wait, our word no, for it. Wait, don't go. Uh, no, wait, back I'm sorry. Look. Now that I'm remembering, I'm remembering I had a similar thought process when I was watching it. I was initially confused, but then I think he was talking about the, the biker gang. Mm. Like, uh, like, well, so is he, was it oh, the yeah, pike yeah, that yeah, double crossed yeah. him? Right. That's what they're called. Pikes. The, the fish yeah. people mm-hmm. that are voiced by, um, what's a, Hermes Conrad from uh, Futurama. Oh, um, shit, really? And I think fiction. so, yeah. And Pulp Fiction, oh, yeah. yeah. I shot Marvin in the face. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, the, yeah, that was confusing. So I I actually, I watched the episode yesterday and I was waiting until like I could fit it in to ask you guys because I had no idea. Um, but not to jump ahead, speaking of the biker gang, that was like the best execution of that. I loved it because like yeah, that was I was awesome. watching it and when you see the whatever the ship is called, not the, when you see not the slave one, like just getting bigger. I was yeah. like watching it with, with my wife and I was just like, Oh fuck. Like, and yeah. like, yeah. the fact that all it was, it was just like exterminating them. There was no battle. Yeah. There was no anything. Yeah. It was just like a drive-by. Ex- I was like, I was like, I guess that's more in line with the Boba Fett that seemed to be the initial Boba Fett um, before he uh, 
when that this. ship got but, bigger in the sky, I started yeah. laughing out loud. Yeah, Because like, yep, I, like, I was like, oh, okay, here we yeah. go. <laughs> and I just love, there's no ceremony yeah. to it. It just yeah. like mowed them down like, like cockroaches. Yeah, like, it was like great. It, that was a great shot. No, and then I also thought it was really cool. Like, you know, number one, I was surprised that he had no reservations at all about climbing into the Sarlacc again, which mm-hmm. I thought he mm-hmm. would have had like some something about. But then also when he completely murdered the sarlacc with that like sonic whatever like i thought <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. pretty fucking cool too yeah uh, Russ. yeah I, I guess i'd go right from the sarlacc um or right before that when he does um destroy the uh the speed biker gang uh that yeah that was 100 percent like the boba fett i would expect it um so and so but it's out of character for this boba fett in mm-hmm. a way and that's that's like the back and forth that still doesn't work for me but after murdering that biker gang uh he should just flown by the sarlacc dropped a bomb straight in and flown away and watch explode in the background that would have been fitting he wasn't even planning on killing the thing as far as we know mm-hmm. and it was only up to fennec who acts who who released the bomb latch uh without permission and she also gets the glory of killing the sarlacc like it should have been his revenge and his moment and i i just felt like that was such a got taken away from him like like he should have absolutely killed the thing that he spent who knows how long in. We don't really have mm-hmm. a proper frame of reference. That to me would have been a really exciting moment. We don't get any of these like moments. Like that's his revenge moment for the thing that basically put him in a hibernation for all those years or however many, however long that was. Um, and I feel like that was just kind of taken away from him, but also would have fit in his character if he'd gone and killed the thing. Now I know he's looking for his armor. But he was wearing his armor when he crawled out of the pit and then got knocked out. Yes. Some people could say Thank like, you. oh, he was he was you know out of his mind. He he starvation. He was. Uh, I, I don't think so. I think one of the things about Boba Fett that I like to imagine is like he he has his wits about him. He's basically the star the Batman of Star Wars potentially or the Wolverine. Like like he knows what he's doing. Like he's the cool character. That's why I liked him. Like he's like Batman. He's like Wolverine. It's like those two things combined. Um, he's quiet, silent, but deadly. Um, not like a fart, like in this version sometimes, <laughs> but, uh, but, but more like, you know, like, yeah, granted his, his supposed death in Jedi was, you know, pretty, pretty lame. Uh, but, uh, people are generally terrified of him. And I know we always refer back to that bridge sequence in empire where it's like no disintegrations. Um, so his reputation is solid and the only reputation that people could, people could know about him now is, Oh, he's dead. If he comes, if you come back from the dead in star Wars, I would be even more terrified that you can't be killed. And so uh, in the previous episode, when he's like, you know, uh, people don't respect you, uh, that that reads false to me, mm-hmm. even in this world of Boba Fett. So I'm still getting a lot of that. But skipping ahead uh, to the end of the episode, I guess we're kind of jumping around. When Fennec's like, I know where we know where to get people or I know where to get people uh, to help. And you hear the Mandalorian theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you almost get chills because. Uh, he, the Mandalorian is more Fett than Fett. You're excited to have him come back to save the show. Oh, yeah. The mistake I think they made early on was like, we're not going to bring back Boba Fett. We're going to make our own Mandalorian. He's going to be cool. We're going to sell you on him. You're going to be excited about this character. They did that. I was excited. I was like, I don't need Boba Fett. Please don't bring back Boba Fett. You gave all the personality, all the things you would have done with Boba Fett to the Mandalorian. Uh, you made him tough, but you gave him a heart of gold. All these things, they're just duplicating and mirroring under Boba Fett for almost like, why? let him be just pure vengeance, pure evil because you already had this mysterious Mandalorian character with all the same level of skill. And then you also gave him a paternal aspect. You made him exciting and fun to watch and you care about the character. When we hear that music, you're like, yeah, he's Mando's coming, man. Like this is Boba Fett. I should be feeling like that whenever Boba Fett does something cool. 
this Boba Fett does not instill, uh, he's not cool, he's not exciting to me, um, I'm not interested in what he's about to do, I'm excited to see the Mandalorian come back. Like, that's that's exciting to me. So that's kind of a shame. They should not have brought Boba Fett back if they were going to impart all these characteristics of Boba Fett onto the Mandalorian. And that show uh, engaged me and captured my attention. And now I feel like they already kind of did it. Uh, friend of animals, uh, friend of the people, <laughs> all these things the Mandalorian's already done. We're getting kind of a repeat in it. And in this episode, I'm more excited to see the Mandalorian come and help Boba Fett. I never thought that that would happen. Um, and, and again, like another instance where Fennec knows more than Boba Fett, even being the Sarlacc pit, even being out of the loop for so long, I feel like Fett has contacts and, and weapons cache is hidden. Like he has all these things like he should not need any help, but he'll take it if he can get it. So like, again, like it's just, it's, it's reading like he's kind of helpless and fragile and yet in the first or second episode, he choked that like clash the Titans monster from the sand with a chain. So it's like, <laughs> he's all over the place. Like, is he super strong? Is he capable? I, I don't know. Yeah. I just thought like, um, bring up our, our recurring, our wheel of guest stars for, um, <laughs> this week we had, uh, I just wanted to highlight Thundercat who I thought, you know, first acting role he's done and he's charismatic. I, this is something that's been killing me and I just want to bring up since Thundercat was in it. And also I think the music's been this good too, but um, is that Thundercat's in um, Kamasi Washington or Kasami Washington's band. And they do this awesome, they have this album where they have this stuff that sounds like a straight out of Star Trek's like 60 Star Trek music. And I don't know why Star Trek hasn't hired them to like score their, their TV shows at Reemergence. That's just something that's been bothering me. Another sci-fi thing unrelated, but, but since Thundercat was in this episode, <laughs> I just wanted to, to mention that something that's been killing me. Um, we'll have to save that for the garbage scow edition of the <laughs> trash compactor. The, for sure. um, it's a Star Trek reference. You guys, you nerd. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, it's funny with the, um, the Mando music, because we had the same reaction here when we we're watching it. And it kind of, it, it reminds you of like, if you're watching like, Say you're watching like a horror movie that's not that good, but then in the horror movie they're talking about Halloween or uh, or like Psycho or something like that, and you're just like, no, all you're making me want to do is watch the better movie, like instead of like watching this. And I I do like Boba Fett. I'm not saying I don't, but it is like you don't realize how much you like and miss the Mandalorian until you hear the music, and it's it, it felt like it's obviously not as intense uh, as a scene, but like it felt similar to when you hear those like three notes of Luke's theme in the Mando finale when the X-Wing comes mm -hmm. in and you're just like, Oh, I am so like hype on this. And it's uh really exciting. And then Russ, I just want to, I don't know if you saw me making faces when you brought up Wolverine and Batman, but it's just cause I have issues with them. So it was funny that you picked the, that's why John was laughing too. Cause he knew what I was thinking. So I know this is not a visual thing, so you could cut this out. I just want to explain. I wasn't like making fun of him, but it was just my, uh, Oh yeah, my, and I, I know this loaded Batman to Wolverine. say. Yeah, it, it, they're like the most loaded characters to like talk about about as far as cool or fan favorites, and uh, it's just it's probably the easiest comparison I could have made. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just didn't want you to think I was being an asshole. Could you actually explain a little bit to me why you had that reaction and why that was a thing? Because I have to confess, I'm not a comics guy, and I'm not uh, really into even those two characters' cinematic adaptations yes. either. So, so I don't know. Well, well, it's, the thing is because they are <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're the most popular like movies and like everyone's favorites so they are so 
like overhyped by mostly fans. Like the movies actually don't do it that bad. The movies stay, I feel like pretty good to them, but it's like the amount of people, like I've had discussions on like when I'm like, I go on these random rants when I'm like streaming on Twitch and someone was like trying to tell me that like, this is going to be the most nerdy thing, so feel free to cut it out. But like, that we're talking Batman, about Star Wars here, so go yeah, ahead. Yeah, true. That Batman <laughs> yeah, definitely keeping it could in. could like beat up Spider Man. I was like, get the fuck! As Spider Man like could lift sewer systems off of his head. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> we're, we're you're just talking about like it, this is like a detective with like parental issues and like you know abandonment <laughs> thing that like if you steal a TV, he breaks your back and locks you up with like a sadistic clown. Like, this is how are you going to try to say that like who would win in a fight? Like I always have this joke with Johnny because people always ask like who would win in a fight, Batman or it's like whoever you say next is going to win in the fight. I don't care. It could be Jubilee. <laughs> it's just going to be Batman. Like I don't know. And so that that's my my thing. And then Wolverine has the same thing where he's a cool character, but he's like he's like a barroom brawler. Like he's not what like what are you doing? Like he's just a grumpy man. You put him against anybody like Cyclops is just going to melt his face down to like the skeleton. Like I don't you know like just by looking at him. And so it does um, when they get all this like super love and hype and it's just like, I, it just, it just drives me nuts. And I'm not even a comic guy. I just, I think it the overhyping of them when I'm like, come on, the world's greatest detective couldn't even figure out where the fuck like Rachel was in or Harvey Dent. <laughs> like what the, like tell that to Rachel that he's the world's greatest detective that when she's like blown up in pieces by Joker. I think I, I referenced them more because uh, I'm looking at Boba Fett as like, well, maybe if you're like a 90s Star Wars kid as a, as a fan favorite in that sense. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of people love their Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker. Um, but like Boba Fett didn't have as much, obviously like prime time spotlight as a Wolverine or uh, Batman, but mm-hmm. definitely like there's a cool factor that applies to that character um, that carries through. So people like myself who like, I didn't want this show. Uh, after seeing the Mandalorian scene, even, I didn't want him to show up. I lost a bet. I said they'd never bring Boba Fett back. I lost, <laughs> I lost a bet about it. Um, uh, he's a, he's a fan favorite because he's cool. Um, because he's he's like you can kind of project onto him because there's not a lot there. Um, yeah, and Wolverine is just a brawler, um, but he's a cool factor. The cinematic versions of both Batman and Wolverine are not great, in my opinion. Maybe. Yeah, it's but yeah. See, Russ. So you just made me think of something that I've been meaning to bring up. I'm always kind of wondering what if any, and I'm assuming none at all. But what if any resemblance this show had to the Josh Trank movie version of Boba Fett that was announced and was in the works? I'm assuming nothing because I have a feeling that that was its own thing, and then that was pre Mandalorian and pre sort of this pivot from blockbuster movies into streaming TV series. And obviously Favreau and Filoni, I'm assuming were given a a blank check to do whatever the hell they wanted. The reason I thought of that is because I have a feeling that Josh Trank Boba Fett movie may have been more in line with the character that you have in your head. He seems a fan of, of the same time period, I assume. This is pure speculation. I don't know anything, but that's just uh, what that made me think of. John? There's a lot of things that just happened right there. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but talking about different versions of Boba Fett before I forget, um, wasn't there a game? It was like Star Wars 1313. It was like Uncharted. And they were they, were, they showed the trailer for it, but it never came out. And they, they revealed that was supposed to be the Boba Fett game. And it was like you go into the underworld of Coruscant or Narshada, whatever the heck. So I'd imagine it's probably in line of like, 
you're this operative dude who ends up becoming an anti-hero who, because by nature of being the main character of the game, by the end of it, even if it is like canon for Lucas Arts to do that before they got the <laughs> sequels done, they probably would have made him a good guy by the end of it anyway. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they were even talking about making the underworld uh, Star Wars show back after yeah. Revenge of the Sith came out. And Daniel Logan might have been in it as the Boba Fett. Maybe uh, he was the actor that played the kid Boba Fett. Nerd. I guarantee they would have made him a good guy in that too. <laughs> it's only a matter of time. But uh, yeah, well, to- so it's interesting because the prequels, especially Attack of the Clones, Russ, I think a lot of the changes in the character, the fundamental changes in the character, where it kind of deviates from the 90s version of the character is really Attack of the Clones. When you see him as a little mm-hmm. kid and you see his father without his helmet on. Yeah. But well, he, he experienced Jango extreme trauma, see- though. Like he has, he has a life-altering incident. Like, like who's his guardian after that? Um, uh, the the water planet people. I can't remember. No, well, so, <laughs> so they so they get into it a bit in the uh, the Clone Wars uh, cartoon. But John, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Well, what I was gonna say was like I, I do think that people like uh, characters like Batman and Wolverine are are good examples of like I feel like a lot of the issues that people have with the show because you know like I. I see where both uh, Murray and Russ are coming from, and and Murray and I talk about it a lot because I because I, I used to joke like like same with the Batman discussions. I'm like Batman's greatest villains are like a clown that says dad jokes and a dude that's obsessed with rhyming, you know. And it's just like <laughs> it's just like you know. But like the the point being, it's like when you really think about who these people are. Batman is a guy who dresses up as a bat who's got rage issues who like <laughs> fights like basically petty crime and he's a detective on like a street level that's who he is and then because of his popularity he can like knock out god and like wolverine (laughs) when he first came out the guy who made wolverine who's like you know be the best actor to play him bob hoskins you know he's like this short stout built like a brick shit house like charles bronson character that's like kind of ugly who's five Mm. foot two in the comics i think and like, there's a reason why he doesn't get Jean Grey in the comics. It's not because like, it's 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 not be- it's it's because of everything. It's like, why would she be interested in him? You know. Mm. But in the movies, he's like six foot three, tall, dashing, handsome Hugh Jackman. And then if you actually look at the comics, Wolverine becomes more handsome, more capable. <laughs> he basically becomes fucking immortal in the comics, and he wins every conflict. So I feel like. We said this a couple episodes ago, but when you think about Boba Fett, it's like he just told Vader where Han was. That's how he caught him. <laughs> like, <laughs> like he tracked him. He's like, ah, oh, dude, he's in fucking South Jersey. They showed up in South Jersey, and the cops are waiting for him. <laughs> and like, and it's just like, oh, you got me. And like, and then he wasn't a good fighter. He just sounded cool, but like, there's a little nuggets though, like no disintegrations. He talks sass to Vader. Vader lets him sass him. Like, so there's like, there's something there. He's dangerous. There's something there that's not mm-hmm. said. I totally agree with that that assessment. But we are in a world now where it's like they are establishing a character that like borderline didn't exist. So I kind of feel like okay with wherever they go with him, as long as it's not like him. I don't know, becoming like a fisherman or something like that. You know. Well, what do they say? History is written by the victors. Like you know, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. D- Disney gets to decide who he is, and but I don't even think it's Disney. I, I think no, it's just right, like no, it's, it's, not, it's Dave it's Filoni who is it's like Dave George Filoni. Lucas's protege. So, you know? so what I want to say. So what I want to say. Like we keep saying the D word as if I don't think. I think they're just there. I don't think they're that deep into it. I guarantee you, if George Lucas was making this show, 
it would be exactly the same thing. I mean, probably weirder. Maybe more and- visually stunning. Maybe it's a little bit more new things you put into it. But I feel like a, I, I agree with uh, Josh. I think it'll be almost the same thing. I'm, yeah. I'm saying Disney as an overall, like, this is the Disney era of Star Wars. Yes, right. What, sure. what, whatever whatever happened, like, there's there's no, like, Disney entity that's controlling necessarily. Like, yeah. I, I don't know who's making decisions. I don't know what mandates they have on a, on a chalkboard that they have to follow. Plug this in, plug this. I don't know what any of that is. I'm just looking at it from a pure character standpoint. So, so sure. Disney is not, you know, it's just more of like a placeholder for in this yeah, time, yeah, sure, sure. St- time of Star Wars. Right, yeah, like the Disney era as yeah, uh, yeah. distinct from the Lucas era. No, yeah, I get you. The thing that is fun about this show is it is like Russ, it's like fan fiction, right? And that's kind of like why we're watching because it's, we made this joke last week too. It's so clearly written by people that like love Star Wars action figures and they're like, okay, we need Boba Fett riding a Rancor. We need him to blow up the Sarlacc pit. Like, and it's just like all these like cool things that you would do when you're playing with action figures, but they're able to just like throw millions and millions of dollars at it and make it a, a TV show and stuff like that. So it is basically like the most fan fiction that you could get for Boba Fett. Cause it's just, it's like John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez just, and Dave Filoni just playing with their star Wars action figures. And so that it is, it is fun, but it also like you would, when I played with action figures, like it was weird. Like there's like things didn't always like make sense, but this just is like so polished and there's, um, like it's uh, what Johnny was saying in the first episode you guys recorded. It's like I'm like relieved now at the end of this episode that there was like different languages being spoken from like the aliens, and I was like, all right, they all don't sound like they're from uh, New York or, <laughs> or Queens or something like that. Speaking of that scene uh, with New Baca in the that casino, or whatever, yeah. uh, that place, I thought I thought that was pretty cool. And I love when like the proprietor, whatever, who's played by Jessica Biel, was Beale, like you know yeah. really trying to talk him down. And you thought that you know maybe for a second he might, <laughs> say, and then he just no, and he rips the dude's arm off anyway. I yeah. thought that was pretty yep. good. And, and he gives um, the money back. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and what was the line? And what was the line that uh, uh, Boba Fett said right after? He tried. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> To, two things to say, hey, directly, uh, that was something I wanted to mention that was that scene. And specifically, like, it almost, like, I kind of were talking about, like, where, like, I feel like the show's been cool, visually cool, but some of the writing is kind of hit or miss for me. That was, like, the one thing where it's like, oh, that's good dialogue. They gave they gave Jessica Biel, like, yeah. and she knocked that out of the park, too. Uh-oh. No, she did. Yeah. Now, uh, is, is it Jessica Biel or Jennifer Beals. Oh wait, yeah, Jennifer Beals. It's Jennifer Beals. Yes, it's Jennifer, Jennifer Beals. Jennifer Beals. Yeah. Jennifer Beals. Oh, from she Flash too. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer, it's it's very similar names, but Jennifer yeah. Beals from Flash Dance. From Flash, yeah, yeah. Um, you mean Prophecy bad, too, guys. John? You misspoke. That no. too. No, that <laughs> was just like some movie. great, like just like well written di- and well delivered dialogue, and and then like that that just that capper from just. I wish there was maybe a little bit more weird blue blood in there or something, or they focused a little bit more and yeah like i said like i think she's like probably the best act actor in, in the show just every scene she does yeah so on that note i actually really think uh tomorrow morrison is is really killing it like i think he's it's doing true. a really good job like you know separate mm-hmm. from what from what you think of the character like i think he's really nailing it and that I scene uh, murray you alluded to it a bit earlier the godfather scene where mm-hmm. it, it, uh, like there are moments where i feel like he's literally doing a Marlon Brando in the Godfather <laughs> like impression. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like yeah. uh, the hand gestures. And I don't know, like I really dig it. I think it's cool. Mm. And this is a small thing, but I really love the way he pronounces Tatooine. Yeah. Tatooine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like he's from there. Yeah. Type, uh, exactly. Yeah. It's, like, it's like he's a native. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> no. 
Tatooine. What he as an actor is bringing to this character, I think, is really pretty cool. He's acting his heart um, out on there. Yeah. No, he's gravitas. Yeah. 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 yeah, he's he doing the best he can with what I think he's given. Yeah. Like yeah. he's making yeah. the character. Yeah. But the gravitas that comes to it. It just makes me even more mad at that at that Boba Fett is worse than polio article because <laughs> one of the things one of the things that 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 guy specifically called out was how Tamora Fett was a uh, uh, Tamora Fett uh, 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 a Tamora uh, Morrison was like not good in it and I'm dude I just saw I just saw a headline after this episode came out, and they're like, Boba Fett is dead. And like, it's like, what? dude, stop it. Because no, he, <laughs> he like, brings nuances to it. Like, like in the, uh, what I joked with my wife, the Harry and the Henderson scene where he's telling the Bantha <laughs> to go, and then he's like, not wanted here. Uh, but like, but, the, but even the idea, like, you get the feeling, even in the scene where he's like feeding him too, like, um, being how he was raised, like, you know, um, and the idea of being a clone, like he, he like kind of alludes is like, he hates the idea of things being captive and held, yeah. um, when they could be free and they should be free. So like the second that he, cause mm-hmm. he, even, um, Fennec says, right. She says like, Oh, you should have held on to him until we were done with the mission or at least had your ship back or something along those lines. And like, but it's just like, so maybe I think that, it, this is something that me and John have talked about too, because we we like to rage send each other bad Instagram um, stuff. But like <laughs> when people talk about like oh the 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 range of like Leo, it's always like they'll show Leonardo DiCaprio screaming and then like crying, and it's like no, there's a whole range of fucking emotions there. But I think that's why maybe Boba Fett is getting the um, the short end of the stick because he's using a lot of like subtlety and mm-hmm. and nuance and it yeah maybe it's not the greatest at, he doesn't hit like strike gold every time but like i feel like they need the like viola davis like snot pouring down her nose to be like that's good acting like and it's like okay i guess maybe and to your point too uh i, I think they bring it even to a step further since boba fett is a clone he's probably used to people thinking of him as a thing so mm. i think he's got a soft mm. spot for for things other living animals that are used Mm. as equipment like a bantha you know so like a bantha is not it's like a car to many people but to boba fett Mm. that's like a living partner yeah he like gives him his food in the desert gives him his food it shows that he has food for himself too but like he like gives him the food out of his mouth like because they're in the fucking desert like again i respect you and you're here not necessarily by choice but i consider you almost like a it might be a yeah, little bit like, projecting on my part, but like he's like, you are my partner now in this mission, so I'm going to treat you as such. Yeah, I'm not using you as a car or a horse. Like exactly. you're my, my like you're not my backpack. Yeah, yeah. That character would not call his ship slave. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so I get, uh, it's a good it's a good retcon of sorts. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying though is that that starts with Attack of the Clones, continues through the Clone Wars series. So it's not what I'm trying to get at is that. This depiction of the character is not coming from nowhere. It's actually building upon the initial retcon, which I think mm-hmm. happened in 2002 mm-hmm. uh, with Attack of the Clones 20 well, years ago. I, I had a question on this topic. I didn't. I don't mean to keep putting Russ off, but this is directed for him. Russ will never speak again. Yeah, because he's <laughs> Russ is the the resident Boba Fett expert, right? So what I'm uh, thinking really. <laughs> is, well, the the helmet in the background of your screen tells me different, but the um. So does does he ever refer to his ship as the slave one at any point? Or is that like a nickname? Like, cause you know, like how Jabba has all his dancers and stuff like that in chains. Like, 
is like Boba Fett the one that like brings them like, you know, did he work for Jabba? And so that was almost like a, a nickname for his ship. Like, oh, there comes a slave one. He's going to just turn you over to Jabba for money. And then you're going to end up being like Jabba slaves. Or is no, it, at some point he, he had like the slave Two, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. The dark okay. Then, yeah. yeah. I was trying to get too too deep in, into the character when it's like, nope, he was just an asshole at one point. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, I couldn't answer like specific. Like, I don't know, like necessarily like, all the specific nuances of like you know uh, what he what he would call it. Um, and and again, yeah, I think given the opportunity, like yeah, because he never said it because no one else referred to the ship as that in in the movies or you know, subsequent visual interpretations of Star Wars. Yeah, I think you can totally wreck on that and call it whatever you want. So I think being upset about that is kind of pointless. It might have been referenced in Shadows of the Empire. Maybe. That, that's the only time. Like, and the thing is, like, again, like, the Shadows of the Empire, is that considered legacy? I think it is I mean, legacy, I, no. I think it is legacy. Because, because it the still Star fits Wars within comic- the original... Yeah, well, the Marvel Star Wars comic, uh, I think, has a different version of events between Empire and, and, and Jedi, I believe. Kind of going. Before, I did want to say that, yeah, Jennifer Beals was a highlight of the episode for me. Uh, so as, as a Flashdance fan, uh, and yeah, Flashdance. And Prophecy, too. And prophecy. She was really good in that scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. No joke. Like, no, she, she was. Yeah, she, she was. No, she's she good. killed it. Uh, like, she came up and she owned the entire scene. I guess one of the things that reminded me of it, and seeing her again and seeing that I think we've been to this uh, this bar what three times now, um, yeah. Like like starting the show, like knowing that he's going to take over uh, Jabba's palace and his his holdings. Um, I already had Tatooine fatigue um, in general, and like like heavy heavy, and uh, especially just with like uh, the Mandalorian uh, returning, and like knowing that there will be future shows there, like. I have wild tattooing fatigue. I don't want to see it anymore. And he's literally chained to this point. Like he's stuck there <laughs> because he is trying to uh, take over the business of the previous uh, crime lord of whether Mosespa or the, the planet as a whole. I'm not really sure what the um, what the sprawl of that criminal empire is. But uh, the thing that would excite me about Boba Fett is that he's uh, a character who'll be taking bounties and be off planet and being visiting new things. We saw some of that in The Mandalorian. Uh, and so one of my thoughts was, like, I would love to have seen him go on the, these bounty trips and see him getting off planet and showing us some more. Um, and so that so being stuck on Tatooine kind of always uh, reminds me that, like, you have to just enjoy, like, the little bits that we get when we can. And I did think that um, seeing Fennec's uh, body reconstruction in that parlor going way back uh, was interesting. Uh, and that's something we haven't seen before. I will say this as someone who has done a significant amount of soldering in my life, the actual <laughs> electronic components was super embarrassing for Star Wars. Where I'm like, <laughs> I really don't want to see you twisting two wires together and doing like a nice clean solder coat on that. Like, where's your, they're going to do like a wire nut over that? I was like, this is the worst representation of Star Wars <laughs> uh, technology that I've ever seen. Like, Ever, I was like, this really does look like the lowest budget technology I've ever I seen. Cosplay, really, yeah. Well, I mean, Star Wars is fantasy first. Yeah. It's fantasy yeah. first, sci-fi, distant second. Yeah. <laughs> Russ, I really do appreciate, and I mean this genuinely, I'm not being sarcastic. I really do appreciate the things that you get hung up on because they're uh, so niche and like no one else <laughs> would get hung up on no, those awesome. things. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah. I love That's it. the history um, of my life. Uh, yeah. Those uh, wires would never go together. Fuck the show. <laughs> <laughs> Red and black wires, bullshit. 
Though I do have to say, whatever the mechanism was, it kind of reminded me for a second of the the internal mechanism of Luke's mm-hmm. hand, like the pneumatic, whatever. Okay, so that's like the spine, whereas in Luke's hand, it was like, you know, more delicate Tendons fingers. And stuff. But, like, but, I would have liked to see more like Ridley Scott uh, milk situation going on. I feel like that would have been more like <laughs> yeah. organic, like... Uh, The other thing about that, one thing I do want to talk about a little, I've always had like this weird thing with body horror, in particular when characters' bodies are transformed either without their knowledge or their consent. And so so I was really bracing myself for, for what her reaction was going to be when she she woke up and she discovered that she was half machine now you know if played realistically would probably be a pretty horrifying moment Mm -hmm. and i appreciated that her reaction was like like mild surprise and then she just kind of went with it (laughs) and maybe this is where it comes from actually but i saw the original robocop when i was way too young Uh, yeah me too like all of us yep yeah And there was always something that really unnerved me, the idea that he was made into a robot. He had no say in the matter, right? So knowing that a lot of kids are watching this, I was very curious how they were going to play her reaction. Mm -hmm. And I thought that she played it exactly right. Uh, Which also, John says something about the character. She's like, she knows what line of work she's in. She, She knows that she could be dead. She wakes up and she's like, oh shit, I'm part droid now. Weird. I get... I think that was a highlight for exactly what you said uh, mm-hmm. for me as well, because as her character, as in her line of work, who's is basically just an assassin, yeah, she was basically dead. So she was resurrected from the dead. Mm-hmm. So I think she's like you said, she's like in her mind, she's like, all right, I'm not, I'm. It's not like body modification is like new to her. So she's like, I'm not dead. I've realized this is what you had to do. I've realized that you only had like 40 minutes to do it before <laughs> I was going to be completely toast. And she's like. Okay, like, what do I owe you? Like, and then like, she's getting down to brass tacks, which I thought says a lot about her character, which I thought was kind of cool. I, I finally like got like, oh, the mods are connected through the, I think it's clearly some sort of connection with the Luke hand situation that is supposed to be like, oh, that was some technology that now dispersed to the youths of the galaxy or something like that. Oh, I'm so embarrassed. Yeah. I just got that right now when you said that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and then the other thing I was going to say too is like, I, like from what I understood from when I read the Slave One was specifically just a toy. Like when they put out the toy, they're like, "Well, we got to mm. call it something," and they just slapped Slave. Like it was just Hasbro. Oh, that's funny. Okay. Yeah. There we go. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Well then. Okay. Well, that makes sense to me. The other thing I will say about the the mod parlor and the mods, I appreciated seeing like a subculture on this planet that we hadn't seen before, and it really made a lot of sense to me actually, if you think about it, because if there's a bright center to the universe, this is the planet that it's farthest from right so (laughs) these kids have to find some way to occupy their time and it makes sense that they would start to like mod themselves with spare Mm -hmm. parts or whatever and i really liked this kind of hybrid punk mod aesthetic they have in the parlor and their style and vibe i really dug that and i think somebody mentioned the music in that scene i like the um, music I dug yeah, the music. I thought I, the music uh, was great. I actually no, liked the in, music too. In <laughs> yes, on its own, uh, it just Mickey. took me out of. <laughs> I actually thought the music throughout this episode was actually pretty good. I um, didn't because know. I don't. We could talk about the score. Yeah, it's not Gorenstein. It's it's another composer. No, no, no. Gorenstein's done the yeah, music. He themes. did the theme. Yeah, right. Yeah, he did the theme, but someone else is scoring the episodes. Yeah, I, it's not it's not hitting for me. It's not it's not meshing for me. That's why I thought when I heard that music in the uh, the mod parlor, I was like, I like this. I want more yeah, of this. Right. Well, so yeah. so I felt like there was a little more of that throughout the episode. I thought that that same uh, the techno sort of yeah whatever. I thought well, that popped up a little more. 
elsewhere in the episode. I could be wrong about that. I, I see for me, it's just like, I think why it took me out of it because in all of star Wars, the only music that we know they have is some weird, like jazz cantina. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's, it's, it's yeah, called yeah, yeah. jizz. No, I know. Um, and then even in Java's <laughs> palace, when they have the, the singer with the, the animated, li- uh, it's horrible, but still, it's uh, always this like kind of jazz, yeah. jazz yeah, type thing. And so and all of a sudden Rebo it was band. like this. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you go into this like mod parlor and you know, it's since the, since new hope all the way through now, it's the first time you're like walking into a scene. It's like boots, 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 boots. And you're like, well, it's well, like kind of cool, like but it's just it. like, but, no, but it's like to me, what was jarring is like, they have this music there. All I knew was like, but those, those are always like gangster scenes when they're listening to those jazz songs, even in solo with uh, Paul Bettany, they're like gangsters. So it's like, it's like all those gangsters are probably obsessed with like Frankie blue eyes, you know, where it's just like, it's like <laughs> yeah, they're maybe. all listening to the yeah. same old shit. Meanwhile, like Motley Crue's playing down the street and they don't give a shit, you know, like, yeah. So it's like, it's just, there's gotta be more music scenes than a galaxy. <laughs> you, know? you, would, like, you would think, but we haven't heard any until this very episode. <laughs> you know. Me- meanwhile, the, the music to star Wars is always John Williams, which is totally different from jazz. So there's like a little, there's gotta be something. I think this speaks to what John mentioned last episode, like what is Star Wars? What fits in Star Wars? Mm -hmm. What do you accept as a part of the aesthetic and what kind of takes you out of it? And that's something that I think for every person is a little, the line is is not in the same place. Mm -hmm. And I think that, I mean, it depends on the execution. It's a balancing act like we were talking about. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And even when it does work, it's not going to work for everybody and vice versa. I do like that music and to connect with what my note actually was, which is basically like, there were a number of things that I really did like about the episode that had a lot of a visual flair to it. And the mod scene I thought was really good. It's funny because like, you know, I, I can nitpick about like, uh, maybe they look too rich. Maybe they don't, maybe they seem a little too distracted and that or whatever. I don't know. But when he, they show up, to the mod place and this episode you see the people with like with the with the goggle eyes mm-hmm. and then there's a one woman with the glowing red eyes like those images were being like burned into my brain because i'm like that's so fucking cool like and they 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 seem to have like a lot more effort in this episode to show how cool those things were as mm-hmm. compared to like the first time you see them where they just slap some like plastic on their face yeah, it's like exactly like they're a robot it's like oh, okay but like mm-hmm. this is like they're really using the advanced technology of filmmaking today to do some cool shit. And I was like, that was awesome. And, you know, like I I was actually having a moment that I, it sounds so weird because it's not like anything special in the content of what I was watching the episode, but I was having a moment that I had when I was a little kid watching star Wars. And when I was a little kid, uh, certain small images of those movies, fine details get burned into my brain. One of them is in the Empire Strikes Back of Luke's lightsaber in the snow shifting with his and like just shifting as he's trying to force pull it. And that for some reason, I don't know why the details of the hilt and all that stuff got into my head or like when Obi-Wan Kenobi pulls the lever in the Death Star, you see, boom, (laughs) like the power level is going down. That's in my head, you know, and like the weird lights. And this happened this episode. I don't know why. But it was when that little uh, drone with the red lights is going through the hallways of Jabba's palace. I was like, yes. I, I was like having like an out of body experience, and I was like, I bet you, if this was like four year old me, 
these this image would just stick it in my head for the rest of my life. And like I might not remember anything else about the show, but I'll remember the image of the red ball going through the hallway. And like and I'm just so happy that like they're they're still attempting to do these strong visual images, you know, uh, whether it's a throwaway shot or not, it's like, there's just something still there to, to latch onto, you know? And I don't know. It was just like, it was like in this episode, I was like, ah, there's, there's that image that's going to connect to my toddler self. <laughs> like, it's like a, it's like a throwaway mm-hmm. shot, you know, but I, I appreciate the effort that they're putting into it. I think that's really cool that you had that experience. I think that's, I think that's really awesome. Really quick first and talk, uh, talking about RoboCop real quick to this day, cause I watched <laughs> it when I was so young to this day, when I'm playing video games, anywhere from back to GoldenEye to now, if I'm aiming a gun, I always am like, ninner, 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 cause that's what, uh, what's the, the yeah. he points it at his hand. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, but one thing I really did like about this episode was I mentioned it earlier was the the kind of video game aesthetic where they keep returning to the same locations where I do understand the burnout of of it but I like the the fact that they're traveling to places it felt very season one of Game of Thrones before they unlocked fast travel and were just like able to go between checkpoints Mm -hmm. but like it had that like feel to me it's like all right, so if you're if you're at Jabba's Palace and you want to go to the bar, you have to like this is how you do it and then you have to go back to like so I did like that because it kind of seemed like a like quests in a, in a video game or something like that. Mm. So I, I did like that. And I like that they're doing that and I'm sure they'll, it's obviously easier for them to cut that out because it's not, you know, a month long journey. It's just maybe a few hours, but it, the fact that they're showing it, I think is like kind of cool. And it, it does, it fills time. And so it could almost go into the treading water aspect of it, but also like builds the world more where it's like, yeah, no, this is, this is it. There's like desert, a ton of desert. And then there's like some bars and a mod shop and then uh, a gangster palace. And then, uh, and it takes forever to get between them if you don't have a speeder bike. So I really like that. That makes sense. I have a question and I don't know if there's an answer, but I really liked this episode a lot. I feel like I liked it the most and I had like zero problems with it. Why do you think that is? <laughs> um, <laughs> the flashback I mean, aspect of it. I, I think, well, one a couple of things. One, I think, because I know how uh, your brain is. I know everything about you, Josh. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> oh, my <how> you God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> uh, well, one, I think it kind of connects to what I was saying was they were trying really hard to visually tell some interesting ideas with the shots, but also you're a big Godfather fan. And I feel like maybe by the end of it, when they finally got into the Godfather stuff, it kind of like resonated on some level, you know, like maybe they're getting closer to that. I mean, that was a small part of it though. And I mean, I guess like if I have to level a criticism, like I thought it was perhaps a little too on the nose in terms of the Godfather (laughs) reference. Like the rancor comes out and he's like, that's just my son, Sonny. That moment was cool. He was having them meet over a rancor pit. And when yeah. they all realized, <laughs> yeah. holy shit, that I thought was a great display badass, of power. Yeah. 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 Big power move. Yeah. I thought that was a big power move. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Look, in the Disney era of Star Wars, um, there have been more hits than misses for me. And I think it has to be particularly egregious for me to have a problem with it. I don't know why that is exactly, but I'm just really enjoying this show. I'm just 
Returning to my initial reason for this podcast existing is I, the thing I love the most about Star Wars these days is talking about Star Wars. So so I think unless something is just so incredibly off the mark, I'm just sort of here for the ride. I don't know if I've like shut off a critical part of my brain. Like, I'm I don't you. know. Yeah, I feel like, like yeah. you should, though. That's what makes yeah. it like enjoyable because it's just like we're we're like actually talking about not to like pat ourselves on the back, but we're actually talking about Star Wars. We're not just being like, well, you're dumb for thinking that. And the way <laughs> I think is the best because I ranked them by the age I was when I first saw them <laughs> like that mean, mm-hmm. but like, so the idea that you can just be like, no, like, you know, and like with the Disney aspect of it, um, they are able to do cool stuff now just with technology, like how, uh, I think me and John were talking about like with the lightsabers in in Force Awakens like glowing off their faces like that's like something yeah. that's like cool that they weren't doing before and now they they are and I don't know but yeah I could see it's more enjoyable when you turn off the critical aspects and you're just like fuck it it's fan fiction it's fun let's just watch it and yeah and and also to go along with like my final thoughts is like this. This uh, this episode has got a lot of things going for it. It's got good visuals, uh, just interesting images. Um, the actors are always killing it. You know, it's got a fun action sequence in the kitchen, which brings up the whole Jim Henson, Fraggle yeah. Rock, Dark Crystal Yoda aspect of it that like it's kind of been missing for a while. You know, um, mm. and it's just it's it's trying. Like it's 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 trying to be interesting and I think it's succeeding and I'm on board, man. Like I, I, I haven't had like to go with what Josh was saying in the Disney era. I haven't had one huge sour note yet. You know, mm. like at worst, well, I, I, have. Was like, <laughs> I have, I have, but, <laughs> but, but okay. But like, but even still, even still like, uh, I know a lot of people have a lot of opinions about maybe the last star Wars movie, but like, but even still, like I still enjoyed watching it, and I still think there's things in it that, um, that that are worth merit. And uh, and this episode, uh, like all the episodes, was easy to go down. I nitpick about like maybe like well, okay, like why are we spending so much time on this storyline and that? But that's like my like. 39 year old self trying to think about like, <laughs> like I just watched taxi driver the other day, which is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> like, you know, also like I didn't realize that like Marsha Lucas had a hand in editing that one as well until the opening yeah. credits. Mm. But, um, but it's like, it's, we, we can't judge everything to the same lens as like that, especially when it's just like aimed for kids and stuff like that. Mm. And I, and I do feel fortunate to have the out of body moment that you commented on Josh too, where I was like, Oh wow! Like I, I don't know. Maybe if I really was like, uh, like an adolescent again, this might be like my favorite show ever. You know. <laughs> so on that level, like I'm, I'm really enjoying it. See, it's possible if I were an adolescent again, I would fucking hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> so you have the opposite approach. Well, I, I don't hate it now. I actually, I, I would have loved it maybe even more than I like it now. I, I actually do like it a lot. You know. Yeah, maybe I would have loved it or hated it. I really don't know because I'm not that 15-year-old Star Wars fan that I used to be. I don't know what he would have thought of this. Um, any other closing thoughts? Make Star Wars weird again. Make Star Wars <laughs> weird again. Make Star like Wars that. weird again. I like, I like that. that. That's a good t-shirt. Make Star Wars yeah. weird again. <laughs> and we, we'll yeah. make it red. It won't be controversial. It'll be awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> 
and we'll say let's go boba. <laughs> uh, uh, Russ, I have more questions for you because I'm really interested in your perspective. I hope we can get into them on future episodes because I do have to wrap this up right now. But um, uh, I would just say that I I thought the episode was interesting. Like again, looking at the, the the lens of this show as its own entity, separate from what I think it should be, uh, I think it was probably more interesting uh, than we've seen in the past. And and any type of infiltration scene is interesting. I thought that was kind of fun seeing, you know, uh, the kitchen in any uh, universe is always kind of fun. You come up from the sewer in any any movie and I'm 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 on board. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. I, I like that. On that note, we will be returning next week for episode 5, maybe some of the storm that was uh promised yeah. in this episode's title. Gathered. It's it's weird <laughs> to be like more than halfway through and they're like, "All right, let's start telling the story now." <laughs> You're like, "Let's start now gathering all the this storm." preamble, yeah. So join us next week when we will be talking about episode five of The Gathering Storm of the Book of Boba Fett. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.